It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities, our shortcomings, our transgressions, those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord God, we want to get behind that veil. We want real understanding, Lord. We want real intimacy with our God. We want the spiritual growth, Lord, necessary. We want to be the vessels fit for the master to use. And I'm asking, Lord, that you give it to every member here, those here and those that aren't. Lord, those members that were here from the beginning, those that we can't think of, those that are no longer with us, Lord, those that are sick and shut in, I'm asking, Lord, that you let your Holy Ghost fall upon them. Give us the anointing, Lord, and let our gifts manifest in you. Let us be strong and stable in you. Lord, I'm asking that you bind every spirit here that is not of God, every spirit of deception, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of contention, every spirit of pride, jealousy, every spirit of rejection, Lord, everything, Lord, that will keep us from serving you, almighty God, that they be bound today, that it be cast aside, that we have real understanding of your word, Lord, and may we, that we may grow in it and walk in it. For you are righteous and holy God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the only true God, faithful and just, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be uh, part two of broad is, the, broad is the Way That Leadeth to Destruction. Uh, we're doing Judaism Exposed. Um, you have a lot of people that think that, you know, Christianity came out of Judaism, but, you know, I can tell you right now that they're so different in so many ways. You know, for one, you have the Jews of the <laughs> Old Testament that believed wholeheartedly in the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. Now, we know that when Christ came, that it's supposed to be more focused on who he is, you know, we're supposed to be under a new covenant, having new understanding that we're no longer under the law of Moses. But as we expose Judaism and go through it, you'll find out that it's not just the Old Testament and Moses' law that they cling to. They're involved in a lot of other stuff that a lot of people don't know about. So um, we'll get started here. You know, I broke this uh, study up into sections. You know, so we're going to try and tackle all four. But the first thing we need to know is what do the Jews actually believe? You know, what's Judaism all about? So, yeah. You know, I should have just handed them out like, you know, one group and everyone just gets one. More exercise that way. That's <laughs> true. All right, come on. I don't want Sarah to have one. So, yeah, you know, we'll go into some of their core beliefs. Um, 
disregard the thing at the, oh no, okay, we didn't put that in. That's perfect then. So yeah, we'll go into some of their uh, writings. You there, Jay? Yeah. Looking for something? Oh, okay. That's right. something wrong. What's your source on this? Well, my source is, you know, many different ones actually, but um, I have a bunch of different ones that say it. You know, I got it off some things on the internet. Um, you know, looking up old things that they have in their Talmud and their uh, Old Testament laws. So, you know, you'll find that there are different sects. Jesus dealt with every single one of them. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go through them. All right, uh, first one, what do Jews believe? This is the level <clears throat> basic. Judaism does not have a formal uh, mandatory belief. Uh the most accepted summary of Jewish beliefs is Rambam's 13 Principles of Faith. Now, Rambam's another uh, rabbi, but we'll get into that. Uh, even these basic principles have been debated. Judaism focuses on the relationships between the Creator, mankind, and the land of Israel. Now, I mean, from here on, we can tell that that's true for the most part. There's so much fighting over the land. They're talking about having the land back. It's not even the original land that they were once on. A lot of people don't know Israel was way bigger than what you see now. Old Testament Israel is stretched all the way to where you see Babylon is and other areas. So it was a much bigger space than what you have today. And of course, you know, the creator, they believe in the father. You know, you know, one thing about Judaism, too. They don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. They also don't believe that the Messiah came already. So these are things that we're going to tackle. And they totally don't believe in the virgin birth. Okay, but that's uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So it says this is far more difficult. This is a far more difficult question than you might expect. Judaism has no dogma, no formal set of beliefs that one must hold to be a Jew. In Judaism, uh, actions are far more important than beliefs. Although there is certainly a place for belief within Judaism. Absolutely true. Because if you notice, every time Jesus dealt with them, there was always this thing of, you're doing this on such and such day. They were legalists. You know, it was always about the law. And this should be happening on this day. You know, why are you drinking wine? Why are you hanging out with this one or that one? So, so far, it seems like what they're saying about Judaism, if we compare it to scriptures is accurate. Uh, 13 Principles of Faith. The closest that anyone has ever come to creating a widely accepted list of Jewish uh, beliefs is Rambam's 13 Principles of Faith. Uh, these principles which Rambam thought were the minimum requirements of Jewish belief are God exists. Now, you know, that's true, but if you think about it, it's also subject to what, you know, uh, to debate. They believe God exists, but one thing we know about Judaism is they don't believe in the Trinity. So their God exists, but they're thinking of God the Father. You know, the Messiah has not yet come. God is one and unique. Now, you know, <laughs> that can mean God is also in union together, but if you understand Judaism, they'll tell you that God is, you know, just one. They don't believe in the Trinity. So from here, as we break these down, we may as well go into the scriptures. Let's go into 1 John 5. 
That's interesting because <laughs> they're expecting their uh, Messiah to come still, and then how in the world do they explain, explain that? Oh, yeah. There's so much that, you know, they try and get into, <laughs> and it's like really funny because there's so many prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled. I mean, you would have to be blind not to see it. But, you know, one thing we also understand about Judaism, and I'm not, I'm still debating whether I should go into that or not, is that many of the people that are there, you know, I I don't really want to say right now for the sake of people listening, we'll go into it, but I'm debating if even I should go into their history, you know, because one of the things is you'll understand why some people hate Jesus. Now, there are many of them that do believe he's the Messiah and that he did come. But for the most part, you can understand why many of them had, you know, taken over and why they would hate Jesus. Because a lot of people think those that crucified Jesus and those that were the Pharisees of that day, you know, or the Romans, that they were different people. But if you study your history, you'll understand that they're not. That they were the same people moved in in different areas, you know, that were able to do the things they did. So... We'll go to 1 John, we'll start at verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, Uh, even he, okay, water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So that tells you right there that regardless of what they believe and they understand, it tells you here that all of them are God. You know, now God the Father is the supreme God, but it's like a family. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. It's like a family, last name God. But it makes very clear here that these three are one. Now, some people may think these three are in agreement. The word agreement is in this Bible. So we know that we're talking about that they are one. Jesus said many times in John, my father and I are one. So we have an understanding that they're not the same individual because you'll find a lot of Jewish sects and you'll find other sects that will say, oh, if you mean they're one, you're saying they're the same. No, I'm speaking of two distinct beings or three distinct um, individuals that make up the Godhead. And that's where we get the word Godhead. When you look up in the Hebrew, that word is Elohim. You know, and you go into that, anytime you have I am, I am on the end of a word, that's speaking of plural. They are the Godhead. Elo, you know, El is God. Elohim means God plural. You know, it's just like if you were to understand cherubim, seraphim, any type of angels or whatever you go into, when I am is at the end of a word in Hebrew, it always means plural. So, you know, a lot of them try and deny that because many of them don't believe that Jesus himself was the son of God. Anybody want to add anything? Or? This is kind of like uh, like you, you have two parents no matter what. Mm-hmm. You, no matter what you do. So you can't have parents in just one person. I mean, it can't just be... Uh, Parents can't just be one one person. Mm-hmm. There have to have been two at some point. Right. And exactly. They don't always exist anymore, but uh, now, but uh, uh, they're that's the only way you have parents. Like yeah, <laughs> you're right, and that's another thing. But we're going to break down even begotten because many people believe, 
you know, when he was begotten, that he was like made by the Father, created, and then he went out and created everything else. This is what Jehovah Witnesses try and promote. When it says that Jesus said he was in the bosom of the Father and he was called forth, it's almost as like he always existed with the Father. You know, the word logos, word, was a type of intelligence. So he was brought forward. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people think that means created. And in Hebrew, that word means something else. It's almost like if you have a thought and then you speak it, you know, it comes forth. You didn't have to create the word. The word was there. The thought was there. You don't create thoughts. Thoughts are there, you know, and they, they're brought forward. That's just an example, though. All right. Uh, God is one and unique. I can say that. But to their understanding, I know where they're going with this. God is incorporeal. You know, like in other words, he has no real form. You know, that I don't know about when it says clearly, you know, that we were made in the image of God. You know, so that that makes clear that and, and there were many that saw maybe not him, but they had visions of him. I mean, they did see visions of him. I think Ezekiel talked about the fact that he was um, like a man almost, but, you know, greater. But, yeah, you know, so Ezekiel 1, they speak about that. God is eternal. We can all agree with that. Prayer is to be directed to God alone and to no other. Absolutely. We know that the scriptures support this. We're not supposed to worship angels. We're not supposed to worship man. But see, a lot of why they believe what they believe is because they called Christ a heretic, you know, because he allowed himself to be worshipped. Now, that ought to tell people something. But you see, the Jewish people have to get rid of the New Testament because the New Testament makes it all clear who Jesus Christ really is. If he receives worship, that tells you he's God. You know, if he um, was able to forgive sins, that tells you he's God. If he's going to judge at the end of time all the things that were the Father's that became his, that tells you right there that Jesus Christ has to be God. Who can judge but God alone? Didn't the Pharisees say that? So that tells you right there. And you know what? Uh, let's go to uh, Philippians 2. To back up what we're saying. It's interesting how uh, the Jewish the Jewish uh, belief is Old Testament only. And a lot of religions today that claim to be Christian are New Testament only. You know what? And if it were Old Testament only, I'm not excusing it, but you know, you can somewhat say, okay, they're stuck in their old beliefs. But what we're going to cover today is going to show it's far worse than that. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not even a question of when they call the Old Testament the holiest book for them, it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, but we're going to go further into even that. The Old Testament lays out Christ. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. We're going to cover all of that. Okay. Let's start at uh, verse 1. Um what chapter? Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. Okay. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill uh, ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, 
being of being of one accord of one mind. So that tells you there, you know, you believe that we're all supposed to believe the same, mm -hmm. but with sound doctrine, not someone's opinion. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other uh, better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now let's, let's break that down real quick. Thought it wasn't even robbery. So the Bible here is clearly stating that he was equal to the Father as far as a God thing is concerned. It doesn't mean that he was greater because we know from reading the scriptures that God the Father is the Father of Jesus, but he is the God of Jesus Christ. But they're saying he could have been, you know, could have come forward saying, I am God. And he would have been well within his rights. God over us, but not God over the Father. But he, all right, so let's continue. Who being, what's that? No, no, what's up? I was going to say, so basically, just like he represents God on earth. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, six again. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So, you know, that ought to tell you there that he wasn't obviously what he looks like in heaven. He's not what you, what we saw in the earth or what they saw, you know, that he was greater than that. Uh, eight, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him. So this is telling you the Father's above him. He's here on earth. Highly exalted him and giveth him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that tells you right there, See, a lot of people think if you worship the Son, you're wrong. You know, this is another thing in Judaism that they have a problem with. Hey, you don't worship Him, you worship the Father. Even some Christians will say, no, it's the Father, forget the Son. The Bible here is saying the Father is pleased that at the name of Jesus Christ, we should all confess that He is Lord. Yep. But of course, Jesus came forward to bring us back to the Father, to open that veil again, to have that relationship with Him. See, funny thing about Judaism is the high priest could only go in once a year, you know, on the Day of Atonement. He was the only one who was allowed in. All of his jewels and everything had to be properly set. He had to have all sins confessed. He had to go before the Father totally naked, not naked like clothing-wise, but exposure to all of his deeds to present the sacrifice. What Jesus did was pretty much break that veil to go say, you can come to the Father directly and pray through him. You can pray to the Father in your closet. So Jesus is the way that opened things up for us to get to the Father. But he himself is also Lord. If the Father be glorified and us calling the Son Lord, then I don't want to tell you they are one. There's no jealousy like, well, hey, you're giving my son a little bit too much attention. You know, I sent him. Jesus will tell you the Father sent him, 
but it's also saying that we should confess that he is Lord. So the Father has no problem with this, regardless of what people try and tell you. All right, so we'll go back to uh, what we were reading, unless anyone wants to add anything. Okay, uh, pr- okay, we read prayers to be directed at God. For, uh, six, the words of the prophets are true. Now, <laughs> this also bogs your mind, too, because they'll tell you, that Jesus, you know, he wasn't the Messiah. But then it's like, how can you disregard the prophets that actually told you he was? You know, he was coming. Everything, he fulfilled everything in the Old Testament concerning the prophets. Okay, as a matter of fact, we'll go into a couple of them. So from here, uh, let's go to... Let's go to Isaiah uh, 7. No, matter of fact, let's go to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. And you know, Judaism, it's funny how all these religions... You know, the reason why I believe they're all the same is because if you look at them, they all deny Jesus being the Son of God. They all deny Him being God. Every single one of them. They all deny the virgin birth. They all deny everything. So it's kind of like they really are the same belief, no matter where they're dressed up or what they are. Uh, 9, and we'll start at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now you know that this is talking about Jesus Christ, but it's funny some of the titles that he was given, and this is why I believe that it's no problem calling him God. If it says the Everlasting Father, now some people would say, well then you're saying he's God the Father. No. He was a father to the children of Israel. One thing we got to understand about the father himself, he doesn't interact with man. The father doesn't talk to man. That that was given. Well, you're going to say something? Right. That was lost when Adam and Eve sinned. That veil was placed. They were kicked out of the garden. That was that. And I, I do believe that Jesus was the voice of the Lord in the cool of the day that came and spoke to Adam and Eve. I do believe he was. Maybe they were all there. Because it does say in Genesis 3.22, you know, man is like us, you know, knowing good and evil. So maybe they were all there, but for whatever reason, it was Jesus Christ that was interacting with man. You know, we know that he was the burning bush. We have prophecies to, I mean, we got uh, scriptures that supports that. So was he a father? Absolutely. To the children of Israel, right. And that's why I believe, you know, that Adam was the son of Jesus. You know, just from this scripture alone and a few others. Now, some people say, no, he was the son of God. He was the son of all three. But in some ways, I believe when they say the son of God, I believe Jesus was the son of God, of God the Father. But everyone else after that, now remember, if Colossians says, Matter of fact, hold where you are. Let's go to Colossians real quick. 
Colossians uh, 1, 1 Because I want to be clear here, too. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Jesus was the only father, but I do believe if the Bible says the head of every man is Christ, you know, and the head of the woman is the man, then you know that there's a ranking structure if the father... What's that? Colossians 1. Yeah, Colossians 1, 15. Oh, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Going the wrong way? Yeah. Uh, it happens. All right, everybody there? Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, 115. Okay. Oh. I mean, read, listen to this. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now it says born. It doesn't say created. You know, of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven that are and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. One thing we got to understand about the thrones, the dominions, the principalities, and powers, they are ranks of angels. You guys can look this up for yourselves. Even when Paul was describing two of these four, you know, they are ranks of angels. So that means that Jesus himself even created the angels. He created Satan too. If it says all things in the heavens and in the earth. Okay, um, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is uh, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have uh, the preeminence. Now, what's interesting here is you look at that born again, firstborn from the dead. That doesn't sound like created. That word is being used twice here, which is saying that, you know, he was called up from death. You know, he was called forth by the Father. So that doesn't mean he was created, but look at all that he did. All things were made by him and for him. So could he be considered a father of Adam? Absolutely. Because of the fact that he made him. You know, he made all the angels too. But back to where we were, uh, Isaiah 6. 9-6, nine. Nine, right. Now, you know, they call him everlasting father. I'm not saying this. The, Isaiah's saying this. You know, the Bible's saying it. But, you know, wonderful counselor, of course. The mighty God. Uh, to me, that solves it all right there. He is called the mighty God. Um, yeah, and the Prince of Peace. Now, we know he is because he's going to come back and set this whole thing right. Jesus never physically hurt anybody except those people that were in the temple, you know, <laughs> gambling, and he had to go and set straight. But, you know, so that's just one example. Let's uh, go again. Uh, let's go to... Uh, Isaiah 53. Awesome. You know, some people, what does this have to do with Judaism? We're going to go back into it, but I know that's what they may think. Like, hey, what is this? <laughs> okay, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up 
before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. That's talking about the children of Israel. You know, how at that point they were, you know, lowly out of a dry ground who have no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, you know, they're, they're pretty much saying Jesus was ugly. You know, now let's just face it. You know, there was nothing about him. Uh, uh, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, you know, we all know this happened in the Gospels, that this is prophecy. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with him stripes were, I mean, stripes we are healed. You know, so that tells you right, all right, let me go to six real quick. All we like sheep uh, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own, to his own way. And the Lord saith, laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we understand here that, I want to keep reading. Let me go again. Uh, seven. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before uh, the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, and he was stricken. I mean, he was stricken. You know, uh, nine, and he made a grave uh, with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So that tells you right there. I mean, I don't understand how in those days they didn't believe he was the Messiah. Now, you know, the Pharisees were well versed in the Old Testament. How could they have missed this? And he fulfilled everything that they said he did, you know, but yet and still that that ought to tell you how powerful the spirit of Antichrist is because they can read the scriptures. But because he didn't come the way they felt he should come. This is religion, you know, because your church is not big like I think it should be big because you're not doing certain things that we feel you should do. Then there's something wrong with that because we have built in our imaginations a thing being far different than it actually is. Okay, so from here, we'll go back to uh, what the Jewish believe. We're going to get deep into the religion, but... The Jews, do you think they probably were looking for a really good-looking man? Oh, yeah. I believe that, even though Isaiah says here that he wouldn't be. They wanted him to come in with like, on a, what was it, a donkey with like a, all these, they wanted to throw him basically like a party. He did, he fulfilled that <laughs> prophecy, you know, they prophesied that twice. But, you know, for whatever reasons, the religious mind, because if you notice, it wasn't the people that didn't accept Jesus. 
There was the religious leaders of the world that didn't accept Jesus. The people outnumbered. Every time the Pharisees thought about hurting him, Jesus always, you know, the people feared the, the multitude because they had all loved and believed in Jesus. Yeah. Well, I was going to say real quick in uh, reading this, how you say, you know, shouldn't they have been versed in mm -hmm. all the Old Testament? It's just like many false pastors today won't go into what's uncomfortable in the Bible. They'll preach on just certain topics and leave the rest of it alone because it's not comfortable. Right. Weren't they the same way? Because he didn't come in the fashion that uh, the scripture said he was going to come in. They, you know, looked overlooked that part or didn't want to take that part. Right. Well, Jesus was a, a threat to their power and control over the uh, over over their followers. Yes, he was, and that's why they oppressed him. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. he knew that they'd actually be able to set them free. And you had some Pharisees that actually believed because you know Nicodemus himself called. Uh, he was a ruler of the Jews. He called them aside and said, "You know, can I speak to you?" Mm -hmm. But he had some questions because, you know, Jesus in his mind was correct. But, you know, he was going against what the Pharisees were telling him. Right. All right, we'll go to 7, and it says, Moses' prophecies are true, and Moses was the greatest of the prophets. Now, interesting point here is Moses had actually prophesied of a greater than he would come. You know, but they still didn't believe. So let's go to uh, Deuteronomy. I believe it's Deuteronomy 18. Hopefully I'm right. <laughs> Yep, it sure is. Deuteronomy 18, uh, we'll start verse 14. Everybody there? All right. For these nations uh, which, shall, which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee uh, so to do. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in that day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see uh, this great fire any more, and I die not. So this tells you right here, you know, that he, Moses is getting ready to go into what a prophet is about. But the Bible is making very clear here that a prophet would be raised up. Now you've got so many religions trying to say that this wasn't Jesus. You know, Jesus even said that Moses spoke of him. You know, so we're, we're familiar with that. But you have a lot of these false prophets talk, I mean, people talking about, the, the, um, Muslims are talking about this is Muhammad. Now, my question would be, how could this be Muhammad, and he's not even mentioned in here? There's nothing about him. Muhammad himself wasn't even a prophet. He wrote down things dictated by someone else. But here he is talking about, you know, that a, a, a prophet will be raised up that will come forward. So this tells you here that even Moses knew that there would be one greater than himself that would arrive. Okay, so um, I just wanted to bring that point up real quick. We can keep going. Uh, eight, the written Torah, first five books of the Bible, the oral law, teachings now contained in the Talmud, and other writings were given to Moses. 
Now, we know that this is not true because Moses himself, the first five books might have been the Torah, but this says nothing about the Talmud. The Talmud itself comes from Babylon. Okay, that's where they get their evidence. Now, why would you receive something Babylonian to try and explain the word of God when Babylon was at war with the children of Israel all the time? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just one of those things where we're going to get into that too. But at 9, it says there will be no other Torah. So in other words, they're talking about no other scriptures besides those five. You have some that stay with the Torah, and then there's the Tanakh, which are the remaining books up until the end of the Old Testament. But they believe that from that point on, that there would be nothing else written, that all would be fulfilled. And we know that's not true because Jesus fulfilled them all. Mm -hmm. They only believe in First five books. The first five books of the Torah and the remaining books up until um, uh, Malachi, you know, are um, the Tanakh. <laughs> so that's their law. Their law is in the first five books, but the Tanakh is also the prophets that they love, you know, that they uh, get into. Mm. Even though the prophets spoke of Jesus all day long. But anyways, uh, 10. And it says, God knows the thoughts and deeds of men. We all agree here as Christians. 11, God will reward the good and punish the wicked. We all believe that too. The Messiah will come. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to go back into the scriptures. Yep. So, uh, Sorry, that's right. Let's get in. Let's get it. Uh, we're going to go into... Uh, Zechariah 9. Zechariah 9. It's hard to get these minor prophets. Like you can jump right over them. Zechariah 9, and we'll start at verse 8. And I will encamp about mine house because of the army, because of him that passeth by, and because of him uh, that returneth, and no oppressor shall pass through them any more, for now have I seen with mine eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shall O daughter of Jerusalem behold, Thy king cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, uh, the foil of an ass. Now we know that this had already happened, you know, um, I believe it's Matthew, or is it John? Um, I think it's maybe Matthew, or he rides in, I think it be John 16 or 17 or something, but... I can't remember exactly where, but we know that this had happened, you know, in the scriptures where he came in. Remember, they laid their palms down mm -hmm. in front of him. So that proved the prophecy. But you know what? I do want to get that real quick because you can speak, Jake. You want to say something? No, I was just listening. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it's um, one of those things that, yeah, we need to straighten out for sure. 
Matthew 21, 7 and John 12, 14. I knew it was John 12. Let's go to John 12 real quick. Let's see if this holds true. John 12 what? 14. Yeah, that's right, because we did read this. The day. Okay, now we gotta pull it up. Uh, It's 14. Uh, well, it says it right there, kind of. 14 verse 1. Oh, no, 12 verse 14. Oh, it's John 12. Yeah. Okay. Oops. I'm sorry. And then I'm no, that's cool. That's right. All right, it's John 12 uh, verse 14. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, uh, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass, an ass's colt. These things uh, understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that uh, these things were written of him, and that they had uh, done these things unto him. So that tells you right there that... He had also done it. You can read Matthew. That's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Matthew 21.7. Just speak up, though. Okay. Yeah. Matthew 21.7. And brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and set, them in, um, set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's right. Now we can go to, um, let's go to Micah 5. Are we done with that, right? Yeah, we're done with that. But, you know, again... These things he fulfilled. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Yep. You know, and here we are finding scriptures, <laughs> but, you know, the people still don't believe that he's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like um, Eric said, how they're expecting their Messiah. But you know what? All the religions of the world are doing the exact same thing. They're all looking for their Messiah. That's what's so funny about it. Like, they're all coming at the same time. And you know what? All of their Messiahs are going to come at the same time. Uh, 5, we'll start at verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That tells you right there that, you know, he came forth from the Father. You know, Micah confirmed this. Let's go to Isaiah um, 11 real quick. And then we'll uh, take a break from this because I have numerous scriptures to support that he fulfilled them all. start at verse 5. All right. The righteousness shall be girdled uh, and his loins and faithfulness and girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatlings together and a little uh, child shall lead them. Now, you know that this is going to come forward later on, so I probably brought that up wrong. Let's go to Deuteronomy, um, I mean, Jeremiah 23. But that's coming when he returns. Mm -hmm. He's going to set this whole thing right. Maybe find something. Yeah, verse 6. What do you got? Uh, in 23? Jeremiah? Yeah, 23, verse 6. I just saw the lettering. Is that what you were going to read? Yeah, we're going to 23, 5. Okay. 23, we'll start at verse 5. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. All right. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 says... Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, and I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and the king, uh, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, uh, and this is his name. Uh, hereby he shall be called the righteous, the Lord of righteousness. So that tells you right there, you know, uh, let's go to seven. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, the Lord liveth, uh, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. You know, so again, this talks about, you know, what the plan is. And they're talking about the house of Israel in verse uh, eight. This is also speaking of the future. I'm trying to hold back for a couple of things because... I know that we're going to expose a lot more concerning, you know, him fulfilling all the prophecies and things going on up to that point. So, again, let's go back. Uh, we're going to finish off these 13. Uh, they said the dead will be resurrected. Now, we agree with that, but we agree that the dead in Christ shall rise. So, we need to clear this up because they talk about the dead, but we need to make it clear that it's Jesus Christ that they're speaking of. So, their Old Testament doesn't cover this, so we need to go to Jerem I mean to uh First Thessalonians four. And then we're gonna really get
get into the heavy stuff. I just wanted to brush up on a few things. Can I ask a question about number 11? What about it? Um, if we have time, because it says God will reward the good and punish the wicked. But what is their definition of good? I guess my answer is since it says there is none righteous, no, not one. Wouldn't it be more? Well, no, because it just said that there in Jeremiah 25. I mean, 23, 5, and 6. I mean, oh, kind okay. of like the same thing. I mean, they believe, you know, you never know with them. I mean, because if the Talmud is their most holy book, then we know, too, that with everything that's in the Talmud is so unholy mm -hmm. that, you know, so they, they their um, perception may be skewed big time, but the thing is, is that, you know, they kind of believe the same okay. concerning that. Well, we can agree with that, I would say. Okay, thank you. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 4, and we'll start at... Uh, 13. Yes, let's start there. Where? Uh, First Thessalonians 4, 13. Okay. Everyone there? All right, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as um, others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will, will God bring uh, with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Because they like to talk about the dead. Like in other words, I guess those people that believed in their law, they're talking about the dead in Christ here in First Thessalonians, but... Mm -hmm. If you were to read this to Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus, you didn't tell them anything. Right. So one of the best ways we can attack mm -hmm. is with prophecy itself and exposing, because I'll tell you, the younger Jewish people don't believe, they don't know about a lot of the Talmud. I asked a girl that I knew that was heavily into Judaism. She loved it. I asked her, I said, um, have you ever heard of the Talmud? And she said, yeah. I said, you know that's their most holy book, right? And she said, um, yes. And I said, have you ever read it? And she said, only the rabbis and masters read that stuff. So I'm like, okay, now we got another case of Freemasonry. We got another case of Catholicism. Yep. You know, another case of Jehovah Witness or Mormonism, where there are certain levels, like um, for, for Freemasons, the 32nd and the 33rd degree are those that know the truth that they serve an individual called Jabulon, which is in other words, they try and use the word Jehovah, Jah, like God, you know, Baal, and, and Lion. I can't remember what the line means, but it's outright worship to Satan. But they never tell us this stuff. But the people below the 32nd and the 33rd degree have no idea what they're into. So, you know, that's, that's what... Um, they try and go into. Let's see if there's anything else here. Uh, we'll read. As you can see, these are very basic general principles. Yet the basics, uh, as these principles are, 
as basic as these principles are, the necessity of believing each each one of these uh, has been disputed at one time or another, and the liberal movements of Judaism dispute many of these principles. Unlike many other religions, Judaism does not focus much on abstract cosmo cosmological concepts. Although Jews have certainly considered the nature of God, man, the universe, life, and the afterlife at great length, then it tells us to see uh, the Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. We'll get into that because that's really at the core of Judaism. You know, that thing is totally branched off. Um, it's even believed, I have a video down there that says, it's a documentary, and it says secret societies killed Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So in other words, this Kabbalistic, you know, mysticism was even stuff that the Pharisees were into even back then. So it wasn't just a case of Old Testament versus New. There were so many other beliefs, and we don't really have time to go into that, maybe in another study, but that they believed in this stuff, and this is what they were pushing. So it wasn't just a case of we love the prophets. You know, you got to know that most of those um, Pharisees at that time were moved in by Herod. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think Herod was an Israelite. He wasn't. Herod was a Roman, you know. But that, again, we'll go uh, further into it. So I'm going to pass out something else here. We're going to go further into scriptures. These are some of their own writings. So no one can think that I'm just sitting here making stuff up. I have a question. Yeah. So on this, how come it doesn't actually say God? How come it's abbreviated like that? You is know, that I honestly don't know. I mean, that is interesting. I, I saw it, but, you know, I don't know the reason why they take that out. Like the GD or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Well, it's just more proof that it's a false religion. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but, you know, I think that in disregard to the writing at the top, this is someone that probably, you know, again, feels a certain way about, you know, those people. And um, at the time I, I got it, you know, I didn't recognize that it um, said that. So I'm not taking something based on bias. These beliefs I looked up myself to find out if it's true. So sometimes we can't get hung up on who's saying what. We have to we have to ask is what they're saying true or is it false? Okay, so uh, this is talking about Jews and Gentiles. We'll start saying um, the Talmud is one of the most major of all books in Judaism after the Torah. I disagree because I know many of them that have said that the Talmud was their most holy book. The Talmud covers every aspect of Jewish life, everything from what Jews wear and say and how they act towards others and treat them. Judaism uh, all but reformed Jews uh, treat everyone who was not a Jew as a uh, sorry for a lack of a better word uh, I must say dog. Now I don't know if that's true or not again because I know that we're reading this so I they've never treated me like that I don't know if there's any truth in that but it says by the Talmud if you are not a Jew you are not human. Like, again, I don't have anything against that. So let's just skip this and go right into what they say about the teachings. Because our personal opinions are not based here. We're here to expose false religion. Mm -hmm. You know, not personal feelings towards another. Right. Some teachings of the Talmud. This is uh, 
Arabim, uh, page what 21b, whosoever disobeys the rabbis deserves death and will be punished by uh, being boiled in hot excrement, excrement in hell. Now, believe it or not, guys, I've looked in the book. I can tell you firsthand that this is what's written. Okay, so again, we need to go to Matthew. And go to Matthew 22 or 23. I think it's 23. Oh, yeah. Wait till you hear what they say about Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you think it's, hey, they can't stand Jesus Christ. Twenty-two, twenty-three, or twenty-three. Uh, twenty-two. Let's see. I think it's twenty-three. Yeah, let's go to uh, twenty-three. Even though that saying is disgusting, but you know, let's go to verse seven. Twenty-three, verse seven. Everybody there? Okay. And greetings in the markets to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. So this is totally against the teachings of Jesus Christ to give anyone that power to take a life or to do anything like that, you know? So mm -hmm. vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. So obviously, if this is written in their book, you know, this ought to tell you what authority they believe they have. Yeah. And they're totally against the teachings of Jesus. This is Moed Katan 17a. If a Jew be tempted to do evil... He should go to a city where he is not known and do the evil there. I kid you not, guys. It is there. Remember what Jesus said. Now, we can stay in 23 because we're going to hit another subject with the... Okay, uh, let's get started at... I think there's something in this thing. A friend of mine years ago was telling me about the Talmud. Oh, yeah. Something about they believe that if 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 a man falls off a roof onto a woman and it's okay for them not to be married. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some crazy thing like that. You would never <laughs> believe it. You would, would you never believe it. No, we're gonna start at twenty three. Uh twenty three, twenty three. Uh -huh. Listen to what Jesus says. Woe unto you scribes. Well, what do you have in twelve? Well, I was just reading it all the way down, but... But you know what? That's a good point. We'll go to 12 first. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he shall humble himself shall be exalted. So that tells you the way to God's kingdom is down. That was a good point by Jake. Verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint, uh, and... Um, uh, in nice and coming, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, 
judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave uh, the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, and, oh, that the outside of them may be clean also. So what is Jesus talking about? The appearance of looking clean. Mm -hmm. You know, the same thing that they just said in their writings. Oh, if you want to do evil, make sure it's not in the sight of those who know you. You go to another place and you commit evil. Now, what kind of nonsense is that? But you know what? You got a lot of false churches that do the same thing. They like the look of the appearance of someone holy carrying their Bibles, you know, little Sunday baskets and things. You know, but then, right, and outside of the church, they live like the rest of the world. So, you know, this is something that, you know, the Talmud talks about. So I just wanted to get that part real quick. Uh, Non-Jews are non-human. Uh, Baba Mazir. Now, this actually I did read, too. Uh, 11.4a and 11.4b. Only Jews are human. Only ye are designated men. Now, we know, again, we don't even need scripture to pull that out. You know, for one, you know that that's not the case. Okay, but this is how many of them that are into the Talmud look down on people. And this will explain to you why they got big plans in this world for certain people that are not them. Now you understand where the hatred for the world and for the, the, the earth itself, no respect for it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to go into spraying and all this other stuff but you guys get where I'm coming from I don't want to jump ahead mm -hmm. but there's a particular people who cannot stand you know people in this world they'll destroy it they'll put stuff in your food they'll do things to you yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying them That's I'm the just side. saying right okay um, let's see Oh, also the carry thought uh, 6b under the subhead oil of anointing, and Barakoth 5.8a, in which Gentile women are designated animals. I don't even want to repeat what's in the, uh, you know, parentheses there, but this is what, you know, I have read, and it does hold some truth. Uh, the next one, Jews are divine, Sanhedrin 58.5. If a heathen, meaning Gentile, uh, hits a Jew, the Gentile must be killed. Hitting a Jew is the same as hitting God. Right. Now, okay. So from here, we're going to go into Matthew 20 and see what Jesus thinks about this. They sure love themselves, don't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Loving thyself is a form of Satanism. <laughs> yeah, it is. <coughs> Let's see. Uh, I think it's 21. Let's see. Um, I think it's, I think it's John 15. I think it's, I'm sorry guys. I think it's John 15. I know we just read that. 
What was it? Luke. <laughs> Hold on. I think it's Luke 6. Let me see. I'll have to figure out. Yeah, right. Somebody talk till then. Yes, it's Luke 6. See, guys, bear with me. No worries. <laughs> Keeps us in practice. That's true. All right, six, and we'll start at. Let's see. Twenty-seven. Luke six, verse twenty-seven. Everybody there? Mm-hmm. All right. But I say unto you, which here love—I mean, which here love your enemies—do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, uh, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. So the Lord is pretty much saying, you can have it. You know, I mean, if if, if hitting me is going to make you feel good, then by all means, you know what, do so. I'm going to follow in the ways of the Lord. And this doesn't mean getting slapped up. This is just talking about the fact that as believers, we're even supposed to love our enemies. Now, this is the awe of God. God is holy. The words of God are holy. Not holy in appearance, but holy because he is holy. Mm -hmm. You know, so he's telling you here, okay, uh, 30, give to every man that asketh of thee and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. So if a person takes it, don't even ask for a bet. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying this is the heart of God. Uh, 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them uh, which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. So, you know, understanding this, he's saying anyone does this to you. He didn't say Jew or Gentile. Now, chances are he's speaking to the Jews here. But the point is, is Jew or Gentile, he said anyone. He didn't say if a Jew does this or a Gentile does that. So what does that tell you? God's mind is for all. His love is for all, even his enemies. So this teaching is totally outside of what is considered Judaism's most holy book, which is the Talmud. Uh, okay, uh, oh, this is the next one. Okay to cheat non-Jews, Sanhedrin 57a. A Jew need not pay a Gentile, a Kutian, and wages owed him of for work. Okay, so one of the things here is now we already know that in Leviticus they talk about usury. We're not supposed to be adding interest on what someone owes us. If someone owes you, you relieve them of their debt. These are the teachings of Jesus Christ. You know, not to hang on to, oh, well, you owe me this or you owe me more or I'm going to take from you because that's right. So that's not the heart of God. Right. Okay, um... Yeah, so, you know, owed for him to work. Uh, next one. Jews have superior legal status. Bama, comma. 
37b, if an ox of an Israelite gores an ox of a Canaanite, there is no liability. But if an ox of a Canaanite gores an ox of an Israelite, the payment is to be uh, in full. So again, this is speaking of unfair, unjust weights and measures. You know, this is Satan's kingdom. This is what he's doing now. And you know something? It doesn't take a lot to recognize some of these rules. Because you see, you and I as people in this world, we live through them every single day. You see, this gives you a clear understanding who's ruling the roost. Yeah. If you really want to be, you know, technical. Does that word gores mean kill? Yeah. Okay. Uh, or, you know, take down, maul. Well, okay. Uh, Jews mean, okay. Jews may steal from non-Jews, Baba <laughs> Mazia, uh, 24a. If a Jew finds an object lost by a Gentile heathen, you notice how they keep throwing that in there. Mm -hmm. It does not have to be returned. Affirmed also in Baba Kama 11.3b. Isn't that against one of the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. Thou shalt not steal. There and you no, go. And the, then the last one back here. Right. Uh, okay, to cheat non-Jews, thou shalt not false witness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now here we go again. Now the Torah... It's supposed to be the most holy book. So what is this? <laughs> you know, this this speaks against the Torah. Great point, Mikkel, because this brings it right in to where they're talking about the Torah is supposed to be the most important book. Uh, Sanhedrin 76a. God will not spare a Jew who marries his daughter to an old man or takes a wife of his infant son or returns a lost article to a Kuthian. Interesting point here. This sounds to me like someone wants to take advantage of certain types of relationships. You know, like in other words, and you find this a lot in other sects like Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and other groups. You'll have these really old men telling some men, this has even happened, that the Lord told me, that I'm supposed to marry your daughter or your wife. And because these people are elders, you find people that will actually believe God spoke to the elder and give their wife away. You know, so this is this is sickness at its finest. Uh, Jews may rob and kill non-Jews. Now, we know the Ten Commandments are against these. When the Jew murders a Gentile, Kuthian, uh, there will be no, no uh, death penalty. What a Jew steals from a Gentile, he may keep. You know, and I mean, again, this is bizarre. Uh, it burns you up inside. Yeah, Baba Kama uh, 37b. Gentiles are outside the protection of the law, and God has exposed their money to Israel. Look at this. These are the laws that we live by. This is This is what we live by, so... We'll probably hit a few uh, teachings of Jesus. Is that why so much money goes to Israel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Gentiles uh, prefer sex with cows. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, the next line? Well, the one further down? I don't know. I'll just start reading them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, um... Some uh, of these I've read before, but not... Not in the way. <laughs> 
Uh, Jews may lie to non-Jews, uh, Baba Kama um, 113a. Jews may use lies, well, subterfuges uh, to circumvent a Gentile. Non-Jewish children, subhuman, uh, Yibamoth uh, 98a. Also, Gentile children are animals. I'm telling you something, guys. If you look at this, you can totally understand what world we're in. You guys are just talking about kids getting vaccinations. You know, wouldn't you treat an animal the exact same way? You know, it's no secret as to what's standing over things right now. These things aren't, aren't a joke. Some people may look at them, ah, ha, ha, it's not true. Then why is this stuff really going on today? You know, so exactly. from here, what's that? I said exactly. Yeah. This should make everyone's blood boil if they understand what's going on. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's let's read the last one. Aboda uh, Zara 67b. The vessels of Gentiles, do they not impart a worsened flavor to the food cooked in them? Mm. Now, I'm going to leave that one alone. That sounds a lot like <laughs> cannibalism or something. That That's pretty well, bizarre. Look at the one above it. Yeah. Oh, about how Gentiles yeah. prefer sex with cows. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, let's let's uh, read. No, matter of fact, we can't leave this. Uh. Insults against uh, Blessed Mary. Well, Mary ain't blessed to me. Mary is just another woman, you know, that uh, she found favor in the Lord to give birth to the Messiah. You know, so uh, Sanhedrin uh, 106a uh, says Jesus' mother was a whore. She who was uh, the descendant of princes and governors played the harlot with, carp with carpenters. This is what's written in the Talmud, guys. You know, she was a harlot. So you know what? In this particular sense, we know she wasn't. So we've got to go to the scriptures. We're not defending Mary. We're defending the word of God. Amen. Because if Mary was a whore, then Jesus was a bastard. Now we know that that's not the case. So that's right. not what we're going to stand for. All right, virgin birth defended. Let's go into, um, let's go uh, Matthew 1, 18. But you see, this is what they think of the Messiah. I mean, this isn't even like a thing of saying, well, I just disagree. This is utter hatred. And this is the kind of stuff, I mean, you, you can't even bring this stuff up and talk to a lot of people because this is considered anti-Semitic. Yeah, it's no anti-Semitic. I didn't say a word. I'm reading from their writings. Exactly. You, you know what, what they're saying. If you had a lot of churches on board with what's really going on, you could read this stuff in there and say, you know what, this is exactly what's going on and this is what we need to be be prepared for. But like you said, we can't do that. So because. No, there are yeah, they're going to look at it. You know what? I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak because I'm defending the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm defending the Word of God. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, we're supposed to speak the truth. Yep. You know, we can't have fear of man no matter who it is. Yep. Uh, uh, Matthew uh, 18, I mean one eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together. Now that come together clearly is talking about the fact that 
They did not have sex. Okay, they were not intimate with each other yet when she was found pregnant. Okay, uh, when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. Espousal is like engagement. Okay, but people try and twist it. Mm -hmm. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. Now, some people would say Joseph, Joseph was a bad guy or whatever the situation is. Joseph is a just man, the Bible says here. Didn't want to make her an example because if something is supernatural, how can you explain that? You know, most people would look at you like you were crazy. So he cared for Mary, but he also knew, too, he didn't get her pregnant. So some people will say, no, he is the uh, son of Joseph. Then why is Joseph so surprised here? You know? So anyways, uh, we'll continue. Uh, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take uh, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for uh, he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of, of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be uh, with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So from here, we're going to go to Isaiah 7 real quick to prove that this is true. Keith, stay where you are in um, Matthew uh, 1, but we can go to Isaiah 7. Like I said, you won't get far with those that don't believe in Jesus or the New Testament. Nope. You know, because they'll tell you they don't believe in it anyways. But you have a lot of them, a lot of the Jewish faith, and I'm going to say this, they do believe in Jesus. Many of them believe that he's a Messiah. You find many that are Jews for Jesus. This is what they call themselves. Now, who's a Jew and who isn't a Jew is really irrelevant. The fact of the matter is... The Bible says there will be neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free. So the Lord is going to set this whole thing right. This is, uh, this is not exclusive, you know. It's it's um, of the Lord. We're all one body. What chapter? Um, Isaiah seven. We'll start at the fourteenth verse. Matter of fact, let's start at thirteen. Okay. Isaiah seven thirteen. You there, Mikael? Yeah. Okay. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now some people would say, Okay, that virgin, that word for virgin, they say it means Alma. It means a young woman. This is what you'll find in the Jewish faith when it has several meanings. 
but they'll claim this doesn't mean virgin. It says young woman. To be honest with you, it depends on the context that it's in. Because it can be a young woman or a virgin dependent. But see, they forgot one thing. If you look at the word here where it says shall give you a sign. Remember, the Lord shall give you a sign. That word for sign is alf. That word means like something supernatural is about to occur. Why would the Lord need to send you a sign for a young woman getting pregnant? Does that make any sense? No. Young women get pregnant all the time. They were as young in that day getting pregnant. The word alf means a sign, something supernatural. What would be a sign that God was involved if young men got young women pregnant? I don't understand that. That would just be a regular... That can just be done. Yeah. But the fact that it says the word out, which explains that there was a sign from the Lord. So this wouldn't be any ordinary pregnancy. That's what the Bible is speaking of clearly here. So it's stating that, you know, he was born in a supernatural way. Right. Okay, so we're going to go oh, back to 20, um, back to Matthew. I want to finish this real quick and then we'll hit a couple of other things. Okay, back to Matthew one twenty three. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, uh, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So that tells you right there, this is a prophecy being fulfilled. That regardless of what people think, regardless of what people understand concerning Jesus Christ, or how they think babies should be born, what they think is not real, the Bible here clearly states through prophecy and through, you know, supernatural means, that Jesus was not a bastard and Mary wasn't a whore. Okay, so from here we'll go into, um, let's see, uh, let's go to Luke 2. I mean, it's very easy to understand that this is what the scriptures say, but if you have an obvious agenda, you'll make it into whatever you want to. Oh, man, you should see all kinds <laughs> of lies that these people tell concerning Jesus Christ. You got the Hebrew Roots Movement talking about mm -hmm. that Mary and Jesus, Mary and, um, and uh, Joseph. Joseph had sex. And the only reason that it's taken out of the Bible is because they don't want to prove, the Catholics don't want to prove Jesus was black. Now, what kind of nonsense is that? But you see, this is what, oh yeah. Because, you know, when you get so stuck on your pride, you know, that you feel, oh no, because if a black man, you know, Jesus was black and this and that. I don't care if he was mahogany. The point is, is that he still has to be you know, um, things have to go according to the word of God. Right. But if you got an agenda, then you want to say, oh, the Catholic Church is saying that, 
you know, that they um, they added the, the part in Matthew. There's some that don't even believe that the book of Matthew should even be there, or at least that part. And then they look at the genealogies of Matthew, uh, of Jesus, and then they look at the ones of Luke, and the question is, why are they so different? Well, one thing that people need to understand is that when you go to Luke 3.23, that's Mary's bloodline. The other one is Matthew, I mean, is, um, is Joseph's bloodline. As a matter of fact, let's go back to, well, let's read this real quick. And then I want to go back there, but um, this is Luke 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now look at this. The Bible knows who Caesar Augustus is. But yet <laughs> Jesus doesn't exist. The Bible is here mentioning history and what time Jesus lived in. If Caesar Augustus is real, how can you believe Jesus Christ is not real? Ridiculous. And this taxing was first made when uh, Cyrenius was governor over Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, um, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So this tells you that um, Joseph was of the lineage of David, but then so was Mary. Mary came out of Nathan's bloodline. Solomon was Joseph's bloodline. You know, because Solomon at that point did what he did, you know, with his life. But Nathan, which was David's other son that people like to ignore, was Mary, was with, you know, the lineage of Mary. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, how is she going to be great with child at this point if they didn't, you know, if they were doing something? They were just a spouse, but she's already pregnant. Now, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, touch your wife until the marriage is um, consummated. consummated, right? All right, um, seven. And so uh, it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she would, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling's clothes, and laid him in a manger, uh, because there was no room for him, I mean, for them in the end. So, you know, again, this is just talking about Mary again, being great with child. At the time, they earned Joseph a fleeing, so you know that he's not Joseph's son, mm -hmm. you know, clearly. So I wanted to go back to Matthew real quick. I don't want to stay on this, but there's a key point here, Matthew 1. Sarah actually pointed this out around the time we were studying this. But uh, let's start at, because we're going to the genealogy. Let's start at 15, 115. Everybody there? Matthew 115. And Iliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph. Now check this out. Now all of them begot, 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 begot. Okay, all the way up from the top. But look at what it says here in 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom the uh, was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So that tells you there, they never said uh, Jacob begot Jesus. You notice how Mary is thrown in there as if Joseph didn't do this. They're just showing you through marriage on that side how Jesus is related. 
Okay, but on the other side, um, you know, you go into, well, we'll go into the other side, but the thing here is it's just saying it never went from Jacob just to Joseph. It says the husband of Mary, which shows that there was a marriage that was there is how Jesus ended up being related. So the King James Bible is always clear to never make Jesus the son of Joseph. Mm -hmm. There's only one time they use that title. You know, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? You know, whatever. But they were making a point like, in other words, he was of that lineage, you know, or just a regular man. It had nothing to do with birth. If I adopt someone, then that kid is my child. Right. You don't have to be related. All right. Uh, Luke 3, 23, and then we'll leave it alone. But, you know, that kind of got me hot. I didn't want to stay on this, but, you know, it's white hatred and arrogance that they have towards Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe you do have to believe in the virgin birth. Because, in other words, you're, you're really blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You know, you're pretty much saying that the Holy Ghost didn't do it. Okay, uh, 3, verse 23. Okay, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now remember, Jacob was the father of Joseph, so who is Heli? You see, as was supposed, the son of Heli. Heli is Mary's father. Okay, so the point there is they're talking about the fact that he was like the stepson, as was supposed. It didn't say he was his son. It said, as was supposed. So this is why you find the linkage, and we don't really want to go into it, but if you go up the, the bloodlines, they are bent, you know, slightly. There's like 25 that are different than the other, but because one was Nathan's bloodline from David, remember, he's supposed to come from the seed of David. Through Nathan's bloodline, he's still related to the seed of David. David had more than two sons. I mean, more than one son. Okay, so from here, um, I don't want to beat this anymore. I'm going to pass out something else, and then we're going to end it in the scriptures and uh, go into some other stuff. So this, again, is another one. And by the way, don't refer to this witch called Sherry Shriner. You know, I only got this because there's some information that she brought forth that was so true. But um, you know who she is? Yeah. Yeah. She's a witch. I got two of them. You got two? Okay, that's the one I needed. Thanks. All right. But she might be, she's spot on concerning this, but she herself, she doesn't even have any business having her own ministry. You know, but her husband is subservient to her, and she just runs things. But anyways, that's another teaching. The New World Order and the Talmud. Okay, by her, Sherry Shriner. The New World Order and the Talmud. What does the Talmud have to do with it? It's, it's the hidden uh, cornerstone of the New World Order agenda. I never realized it either, either until recently. I mean, we've had spin doctors and disinfo agents over the past hundred years making sure we believed all the evils that were begat through Catholicism. I can agree with that. In fact, I think... Uh, I just finally put the last piece uh, to this in 
you know, New World Order puzzle together, at least in my mind, uh, now it all makes sense. I love how God works. <laughs> she doesn't even know God. I never, I mean, you never wear, you're never where uh, you're going until you already, um, you're, you're already in it. The Talmud is the satanic version of the Torah. I agree. The Jews have an oral version of the Torah called the Tanakh, uh, or which some call the Talmud. But the Talmud is, um, I mean, a minority of real Jews are familiar uh, with, I mean, with is not the Talmud being used today. The Babylonian Talmud has taken precedence since 1905 and is blasphemous. In fact, every Jew today is taught through this particular Talmud. It refers to Jesus as an idol and his worshipers as idolaters. Uh, it claims Jesus was into bestiality and is burning in hell in a pool of semen. Lord, forgive me. These words are so blasphemous. You know, I don't even like repeating this stuff, but it is true. We'll jump back into that. Uh, now, um, where would that come from? Satan himself. The books of the Talmud are based on the teachings of the Pharisees. Oh, yeah. To understand why Jesus held such contempt towards this ancient sect of elitists, Christians must have uh, some knowledge of the books of the Talmud, a set of 63 books written by ancient rabbis. Uh, these books contain the legal code, which is the basis of today's uh, Judaism and Jewish law. In fact, Talmudic Judaism uh, is primarily a legal system in a literal sense. It has little to do with religion. It is more of an ancient political cult group uh, with many followers who are not openly Jewish. Uh, this is why so many Jews openly claim to be Jewish and atheist at the same time. Now that, you know, there's some truth there. In fact, the Talmud originated from the ancient cabal occult and Pharisee sects. Jesus told them they were the synagogue of Satan. Every Zionist today clings to what they to what they think are the secret teachings of the Talmud. Uh, welcome to the internet where every little oh where every where very little remains secret of anything. You can read some tidbits about the Talmud, blah blah blah. But um I wanted to get into a key point, and I'll jump back into the scriptures. It's time to get okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, apparently, people in the leadership of who are really running things in this world. Uh, well, they're actually following what the Talmud. Is. Oh man, they're. Um, I heard like towards the top because the pyramid gets smaller, but just before you hit that cornerstone or that capstone, they said that there are seven men that actually run the seeds. Now, you know this could be regarded in so many ways. Those men don't necessarily have to be men, because if that cornerstone or that chief capstone is Lucifer then I would imagine these seven men are not even men. 
Okay, they may very well be fallen angels looking like men, you know, that are running things. And, you know, this is this is scriptural. Paul says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Or, so, or it says, marvel not that Satan himself was transformed into to an angel of light. First Corinthians, yeah. or Second Corinthians yeah. 11. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I just posted the other day the Noahide laws in the New World Order. Why? Because George Bush indicated in law, in public law, 102.14, 102nd Congress, that the United States of America was founded upon the seven universal laws of Noah. I don't know about that. What are the seven laws of Noah, and what does it have to do with your head? <laughs> It was uh, studying this that brought me to the Talmud, which the Noahide laws are based on the Talmud. Um, let's see, do you get to this connection? In the same year George W. Bush announced the emergence of the New World Order, he proclaimed the United States as being based on the Noahide laws. Never mind our country was based on God or a Bill of Rights or a Constitution to protect us from tyrants such as he was. In fact, nothing was done then, and nothing uh, is being done now. People just don't understand what they're talking about, what and accept whatever the media tells them to believe. And that's the truth. We have been set up. Our political leaders have replaced God with Satan and have replaced our Constitution with dictor uh, dictatorial powers to completely enslave each one of us. I don't want to read all of this. We'll post this on our um, I don't think this person totally gets it. But. Study guide. Well, <laughs> she gets it, but the thing is is that our focus is not on politics. It's not on man. It's about the word of God versus the world. Right. Okay? Um, from here, I want to go to 1 Corinthians uh, 1. Start at verse 20. You there, Jack? Yep. All right, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? But after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Why? Because it's worldly wisdom. Mm -hmm. It pleased God by the foolishness um, of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. These two factions, you know, one is the religious system, the other is the world government that we're talking about. So I understand why Sherry Schreiner said what she said and how they tie together. Our thing is, we can't focus on that. We have to focus on the fact that this is a war between two individuals, God. Jesus Christ and Satan. Well, you know, God and Satan. All right. Um, yeah, okay, verse 22. For the Jews require a son, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. 
but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What we need to understand that is, um, you know, this stumbling block before the Jews. I think what really destroys, like I said, whether they're the Jews or not, that's not the argument tonight. But the thing is, is this. I think one of the biggest problems for the Jewish mind is their tradition. You know, we had Noah. We had Abraham. We had Moses. You know, we crossed the Red Sea. We were given the land of the promise. The Bible says repeatedly that they are God's people, and they still are to this day. Mm -hmm. There's one problem, though, is that they refused to regard the Messiah. They had all of the prophets. They had all these things coming forward. But you see, their stumbling block is, how can all of this be interrupted just over one man coming and dying? You see, so... They're religious in that sense where they cling to their faith. They cling to their nobility. And I'll tell you what, for people who have issues with racism, you will always be a racist until you can forget about the pride of your own uh, race. Yeah. Okay? Unless you can forget about the pride of your own race, you are a racist. And what I mean by that is, you know, we Irish, you know, go way back. You know, we dealt with, we fought the Brits, and we had some tough, you know, people that were in our country that fought, and we did this. And you see, people start looking for that. St. Patrick's Day, they're walking around in their kilts. You see, so what makes you special more than the next man is your tradition. The Italians, we go all the way back to Rome. Our empire lasted longer than any other. Or you see what the black man went through. You know, he had this and that. But if you look at us, nobody went through what we went through. And look at the athletes we got in the world. You see, as long as you cling to your culture, you know, I don't care who you are. You'll always be racist. And I'll tell you why. Because God is not for that. There's neither Greek nor Jew. There's bond nor free. You know, so there's none of that stuff that holds any weight in the kingdom of God. Yep. I don't care if my father was an African Zulu, you know, um, what do you call it? King, the greatest of his time, going all the way back to, you know, Nubia. Guess what? In God's kingdom, it means absolutely nothing. Right. So what we got to understand is, and this is what stumped the stumbling block for the Jew. This is why you got the Hebrew Israelite movement that's sitting there wondering about Jesus being black more so than being saved. You know, to why it's all about my culture, what I have, where we've been. Oh, look, if you look at the prophecies this way, it suits us. Guess what? Is your name written in the book of life? That's the only question that we need to ask. As long as you're bound to your tradition, you are bound to this world. And this is what the stumbling block is for the Jewish people. This is why. Because they think of Moses, they couldn't regard Jesus. You know what Jesus meant? He was the end of that. He was going into a new covenant, a new way. And you see, they couldn't forsake tradition. All right? And I'm going to prove that. Let's go to um, Matthew 5 real quick. Now, 
also means that people would have to take down the pictures of what they thought Jesus looked like. But this is why they could not see. This is why they couldn't see. I think it was more about tradition than it had anything to do with Jesus Christ. They couldn't believe that, you know, we've done this for so many years, in and out of captivity. Now, who is this one man? Even though prophecy said this one man was coming. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll start at verse uh, 17, because this is one argument that many of, you know, in Judaism try and make. Matthew 5.17. 5.17. You there? Yep. Okay. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You know, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one yacht like dot, or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So what Jesus was saying is, there were lots of prophecies. Remember, here, he had not yet walked into Jerusalem. There were still prophecies that needed to be fulfilled. Okay, now some people would say, well, I thought Paul said that the law was changed and things would be different. So now we'll go to Matthew 22, real quick. Twenty-two, and we'll start at. Let's see. Okay, uh, thirty-six. Twenty-two and verse thirty-six. Everybody there. Matthew, which is the? I mean, master. <laughs> Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So you see... This is the fulfilling of the law that everybody thinks you got to obey all the other stuff. That, that he, They're not talking about Moses' law here. Okay? And even Isaiah himself spoke of this. Let's go to Isaiah 59 real quick. I found this the other day and it blew me away. Because you would think when Jesus came that they talked about a new covenant. Oh no, Isaiah mentioned it way before then. Isaiah 59, and we'll start at the 16th verse. This even told them that a change was coming. Which verse? Um, 16. Uh, 16. You there? Yeah. All right. And he saw, and there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and an helmet of salvation upon his head. Now look at this. Jesus is wearing the armor long before Paul even said to wear it. Mm-hmm. And he put on the garment of vengeance uh, for clothing 
and uh, was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, uh, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, um, to the uh, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. That means east. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And uh, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth. Thou shalt not depart of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, uh, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. So this is clearly not speaking of Moses' law. This is speaking about the law that would come afterwards, talking about the new covenant. So, you know, again, many of the people in Judaism are well-versed in these uh, scriptures, but their problem is they got a problem with Jesus Christ in tradition. And, you know, everybody talks about that star, star of David, you know, and everything on their flag that they have. You know, I know it as the seal of Solomon, you know, but we really want to get an understanding as to what that star is. We know that it means 666 when you look at the, you know, the lines pointed inward and outward. Let's go to Amos 5 real quick. I believe that star also represents the actual sun originally. Oh, yeah. Sun God worship, Baal worship. Absolutely. We're going to Amos 5. Oh, Jake found the new system. That's cool. <laughs> you found the new system. I was like, man. Okay, Amos 5. And we'll start at the 25th. No, wait. Uh... Yeah, we'll start at the 25th verse. It's funny how I wrote so many scriptures down to get into this today. And I'll tell you, I didn't go through half of them. It's like the Holy Ghost was leading me in another direction. Mm -hmm. That always happens. Sorry. No, that's cool. Yeah, 525. Pages just keep sticking. No, that's cool. Okay. You there? All right. 5 verse 25. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and Chion, or Chion, um, your images, uh, the star of your God, uh, which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Now that tells you right there, this is the star that's on the flag in Israel that they claim is the star of David. David was long gone 
before that star was ever brought forth. Okay, so they call that the seal of Solomon because what we understand too, Solomon was involved. He actually created that star. Mm -hmm. Solomon built that star because he knew through witchcraft, which he did, you know, that he could control demons. You know, um, you know, well, a lot of people know in the occult world, if you put the five or the six pointed star down and you get into it, you can control demons at your will or so you think. So that's a part of witchcraft, but Solomon was heavily involved in that stuff. I mean, think about it. He had the wisdom of God. There was no man wiser than Solomon outside of Jesus. But the thing is, is that he was still led astray by his lust. So, you know, that full armor is seriously important. But Solomon is responsible for a lot of the occult practices. He and Nimrod, you know, of what people go into today. All right. So anybody want to add anything they can? Um, I wanted to go into one more thing before we close. If anybody has any other questions concerning um, Judaism, you know, it'd be cool. Um, if not, we can go into, we're back on this page of uh, Jews and Gentiles. Um, I wanted to go into the part right under, you know, where we talked about the insults of, of Mary. You guys got the paper? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We went into the insults of Mary. I got a question. Yeah. It says on Sanhedrin 54b, a Jew may have sex with the child as long as the child is less than nine years old. Why can't they theoretically do it with ten-year-olds? I have no idea, but I think in Satan's kingdom, it's about making it as perverse as you possibly can. I do believe when children are molested or sacrificed or these things take place, that these individuals that get involved in that gain power from the satanic world, the more filthy you actually are. You know, and that's why these things are done. And I know, guys, I mean, some of this stuff written, I didn't bring forth to try and you know, make anyone feel uncomfortable, but the fact of the matter is, this is evil at its finest, masked as, you know, the word of God, or God's law. You know, do you marry, marry a three-year-old girl, specifically, three years and one day old? Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, back into the part three with the insults against uh, Mary, when it says she was a harlot, they'll, they'll put, um, we're reading right under that, also, in footnote number two, to Shabbat 104b, it is stated that in the uncensored text of the Talmud, it is written that Jesus' mother Miriam, the hairdresser, had sex with many men. Now, we covered that part, you know, but I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people in Judaism believe this. This is not like some unknown knowledge. Now, you got some that believe in Christ, but they're still on the wrong side of things. You know, a lot of the uh, people that, that do believe in him, but they still follow Judaism. You got to go? Yeah, I'm going to start at 10 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, bro, I'll send you everything, so. All right, you have a good night, man. You All right, yep. Good night. Good night. Okay, so it says, you know, gloats over uh, Christ uh, dying young. A passage of Sanhedrin 106 gloats over the early age uh, that his Jesus that which 
at which Jesus died. Uh, how thou hast, how thou heard how old Balaam Jesus was. They're calling him Balaam. Wow. He replied, it is not actually stated, but since it is written, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. It follows that he was 33 or 34 years old. So they're making fun of him. Says Jesus was a sorcerer, Sanhedrin 43a. Uh, says Jesus, Yeshu, and a footnote, uh, number six, Yeshu, the Nazarene, was executed because he practiced sorcery. Horrible blasphemy of Jesus, uh, Gittin 57a, says Jesus, see footnote number four, is being boiled in hot excrement. Okay, so from here, let's go to Luke 11 real quick. You know, because, again, you know, this is the utter hatred of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. So they believe he's in hell. Not possible. Let's see. All right, we'll start at 14, 11 verse 14. Everybody there? All right. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Guys, I mean, it's so clear who these people are in the Bible. This is the same accusations that the Talmud is saying that, that you know, the Pharisees were saying concerning Jesus. Uh, 16. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. <laughs> you know, simple answer. And if he by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. With a strong man, when a strong man is armed, keepeth his palace, uh, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. You know, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So that tells you right then and there that these people were not people of God, you know, because, um, you know, a lot of the things that they said, I'm not going to get to cover everything tonight. So let's go to John 10. I want to just get there real quick. Right now, we're going to uplift the Lord because, you know, you look at the things that they said concerning him. I mean, you know, Jesus makes very clear why they did this. Oh, yeah. John 10. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when you get to John 10, hold there. I want to go to 1 John 2. Sorry. I just thought of another scripture just popped into my head. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I also don't want to burn you guys out either. 
Oh, man, this is going to be the last Bible study for me because this guy <laughs> talks way no. too much. First time what? Uh, two. Let's see. First John 2. Now we'll start at 21. 2.21? Yep, First John 2.21. You did, Jack? Almost. Almost, okay. Okay. All right. All right, we'll start at verse 21, 1 John 2, 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is um, of the truth, who is a liar, but he that denieth uh, that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let not therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which um, ye, heard, ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, uh, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. So look at that. Mm -hmm. You know, that tells you right there, this is why most of them don't like the Old, the New Testament, because it says too much debunking the things that they believe. Yep. Okay, we'll go from here. Into John 10. We'll start at the first verse. And we should be done with it. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. Alright. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door uh, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, um, and the sheep follow him, for they, which, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will, they, and a, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things uh, they were which he had spoke unto them, which he spake unto them, and said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to kill, but to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might uh, have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd who... Um, whose own the sheep are not, uh, seeth the wolf coming, 
and uh, leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them, and scattereth um, the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and am uh, known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, and other sheep uh, I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doeth my, um, doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment have I received from my father, I mean, of my father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these, for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that have a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Amen. <laughs> and it was uh, at Jerusalem, the feast of uh, the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou uh, make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, you know, remember what they said in 1 Corinthians 1, the Jews require a sign. Right. You know, they have to be shown. They don't just take it at what's already been done. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I shown you uh, from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because, thou hast, um, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So what is it that the Pharisees understand here? He said, I and my father are one. They understand perfectly well in the Hebrew. If you say that you and your father are one, then you are also God. And that's where the understanding is that they knew that they could not accept. Mm -hmm. You see, he called himself the son of God. He never said, I am God. But in so many words he did, and for that they wanted to stone him. Mm -hmm. So it's perfectly clear and easy to say here that Jesus is God. He is God the Son, not God the Father. Right. All right. Um, okay, you makest thou self God, 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If ye called them gods unto whom the word of God came, 
and the scriptures cannot be broken. Say ye of them who the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, uh, do I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So this tells you here, these people saw these things, but they still didn't believe. Mm -hmm. He's saying, okay, you don't want to believe I'm the son of God. That's fine. But believe in the works of God. If I'm doing the will of the Father, then that tells you that God is in me. I mean, you know, that I am I'm doing the Father's will. Right. But he also said about blasphemy, it's funny. He said, believe thy works. What does the Bible say in Mark 3? What does it talk about? That you can blaspheme the Father and the Son and be forgiven. Uh -huh. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you will never be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Not in this life or in the life to come. Right. That is the power of God. So he's kind of telling them the same thing right here. All right, you don't believe me, that's fine. You don't believe a Messiah, Messiah fine. But believe in the works. Believe I'm doing the Father's works. Mm -hmm. That's why we got to be careful when we don't know if something's being done by the Holy Ghost or not. You know, be slow to say something is phony. Yeah. Because you never know if that's the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Verse 39. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and uh, went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted him, I mean, unto him, and said, John did no miracle. But all these that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him. So what does that tell you there? Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, you know. And like I said, I don't have enough time to go into all the prophecies that the Lord fulfilled. But one thing is clear. We, we got evidence tonight. He fulfilled, you know, the, what the prophets, their prophecies. Mm -hmm. We know by scripture that he was born of a virgin. We know that the Old Testament itself talked about the New Covenant. We know that Jesus Christ is God. And we know he's the Son of God. Yep. We know he did the will of God. These are all the things that Judaism wants to say wasn't the case. So, you know, again, we're just debunking religion and we're defending the Word of God. We don't hate anybody. It's not a question of hate. It's a question of, like Jesus says to Peter... Who do you say I am? Right. Who am I? Because anyone that doesn't recognize the Son will not recognize the Father. It's that clear. You know, you think you recognize the Father, but you won't if you don't recognize the Son. You know, so again, that was the study. You know, there were other things I could have brought forth, but I think we hit on some key points, you know, concerning what, you know, the belief in Jesus Christ is. Seeking relationship outside of religion. And that's why, you know, we named this wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction. Because you have some that may sound like they stand on godly principles. But then when you really look deeper into it, there's so much that they're missing. They're forgetting about Jesus Christ, his deity, his purpose, his sacrifice for us. You know, our salvation through him. All right, so... Anybody wants to add anything? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, real quick in chapter 10, earlier on when I was talking about, you know, Christ being the good shepherd and the hireling. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's 
today people are trying to follow the hireling instead of Christ. You know, when it clearly states here that the hireling would is going to flee, and the wolves are going to come in and de- devour the sheep. Well, that's exactly what's happening today. The hireling, none of these, none of these, a lot of these pastors will not stand mm-hmm. when it comes time to stand. They're going to flee, and the wolves are going to come in, and all these congregations are going to be destroyed. He bared his cross, exactly. You know, he walked away from no responsibilities, being God. Mm-hmm. He allowed his very creation, like we read tonight, mm-hmm. to spit on him, mutilate him. Yeah. You know, for us. He was thinking of us when he suffered that. I mean, you got parents that won't even let their kids talk back to them. Just imagine, <laughs> you know, being the creator of all. And you're you're in your creation. You stepped inside of it. And now you're being butchered and beaten and called names and and you know Jesus died for them too hoping that they may believe what kind of love is that how can you deny him you know if you look back in history there's no there's no way to jump over him Mm -mm. Jesus was a real figure in history you know there's just way too much evidence and if these people were more truthful about what went on in the biblical days and where the grounds and the burials and all in the writings and all these things were, it'd be no mistake on what Jesus did. But you got the world trying to say he doesn't exist when there's so much evidence to support that he existed. There's no way you can miss him in the history books. True science proves the validity of Jesus Christ, you know, of God. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's what we have uh, tonight. I mean, there's other things, I'm sure, as we expose these other religions in this series, there are other things that are going to come up about them, like we did tonight about Catholicism, Jehovah Witnesses, and other things. So, you know, we're going to get to the heart of all these because I believe that people need to know the truth. You know, the gate is broad. There's not going to be a lot of people marching into the kingdom together. You're going to find them in small groups. Jesus prophesied this. But yet and still, people still want to flock to these mega churches believing that they're getting the truth. You know, so you want to add anything, Jake? Yeah, I'm trying to find it. No, that's cool. I can't remember what scripture it was in. You know what it was about? No, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, that's cool. You got a psalm or anything you want to uh, go out with? No. Um... I told Sarah this earlier that I forgot to do this last week, but with the program that we do at my job, uh-huh. uh, we take some of the kids out to teach them like living skills. Mm-hmm. And that Tuesday on the bus, I was reading Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. So we took two of the kids to a church that's over by Gresham Station, and. Uh, they clean the classrooms in there to prepare for the Sunday school or whatever. Right. And we, there was a big Bible sitting on the desk there, and it just so happened to show Psalm 91. Oh, wow. And I thought that was pretty cool. I told Sarah that's divine intervention. Wow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's not a coincidence. No. <laughs> you know, that's, that's oh, yeah. just the... And the Lord gives us this confirmation yeah. in so many no, ways. No, that is awesome. You know. I had to kind of smile at that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is awesome. <laughs> so yeah. that's all I had. Let's go. No, that's cool. Um, 
Let's do Psalm 149 and 150 real quick, and we'll um, get out of here for sure. No, I just want to praise him, you know? Absolutely. What the world thinks about him means absolutely nothing to me. Psalm we know one. who he is in us. 149 and 150. Right. The Lord just put it on my heart. Like, hey. And it's just something about being in the Spirit of God. I mean, you just feel so clean. You know, so uplifted. You know when you're born again, when you live for his word. Like you just have this thirst to just want his word, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Uh, Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Uh, let them sing praises unto him with a, a, a timbrel uh, and harp. Uh, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. I love that. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and uh, punishment upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. We'll do 150. Psalm 150 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for the for his uh, mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the temporal uh, and dance. Praise him with uh, stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So I guess we can uh, close with the um, prayer. Like we just did a song. I mean, no, we didn't do it. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight humble before you thanking you for another day that you have given to us Lord thanking you for another opportunity that you have given us to come here and to study your word to draw closer to you to seek you Lord to learn how to have a relationship with you Lord I want to thank you for your true and holy word and how you are helping us to understand it Lord, but in order for you to share your secrets with you, we do have to draw closer to you. We do have to seek after you for a relationship, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to understand what we need to do in order to do that. Because, Lord, this world really does hate you, and it hates those that follow after you. But you want to strengthen up your people, those that believe in you, And I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would give us your strength, your wisdom, 
Lord, that you would give us your courage to be bold, to go out and to profess your name to all the world. That, Lord, there are those out there today, tonight, and tomorrow that need to understand, Lord, without you, they can do nothing. Without you, Lord, they are dead to the kingdom of heaven. Lord, they are dead to sin. Lord, without you, they're going to end up in hell and in, in the lake of fire. And it's our, Lord, it's our job to be going out there trying to bring people into the kingdom. I know, Lord, that it says that many will not find you. And it's only going to be a small amount, Lord, but we're still supposed to go out there because we, are, we don't know who you want to come to you, Lord. So we're supposed to be out there professing your name to all. So give us that boldness, Lord. Give us that courage to do so. Lord, I ask and pray that you would be with everyone tonight, those who are here, those who cannot make it, that you would be with us all, Lord, that you would give us that understanding, a thirst for your word, Lord, a thirst for a relationship with you, a thirst for more prayer and fasting so we can gain a, gain a closer access relationship with you, that whatever things are keeping us from you, Lord, that those things would be taken down and moved out of the way <clears throat> because Satan would love nothing more to distract us from doing your will. He would love nothing more to distract us, Lord, to keep us from coming to Bible study, to keep us from studying your word. And there's so many distractions out there today, Lord, and we have to be dead to all of them so we can be alive in you, so we can be out there, Lord, prophesying and ministering and being evangelist Lord and I pray that whatever gifts you have rotten us that you have given to us Lord that if we draw closer to you that you will show us Lord what our gifts are whether it be teaching whether it be Psalms whether it be prayer whatever it is Lord that you have for us to do that you would give us your strength Lord to know what it is so we can go forward in you and out into the world because I believe Lord we all have spiritual gifts but in order to know what those gifts are, Lord, we have to be in your will. We have to be doing what you want us to do, Lord. Because there are, there are parts of us, Lord, I'm sure that still do not you do not rule over. And that's where the enemy attacks us, whether it be by feelings and emotions or whatever it is, Lord. We have to give our entire life to you so you can work in us. Lord, I thank you for Eric and Holly. And I pray that you would be with them tonight, Lord. That you would guide and direct their lives to lead them to you. So you can work in their lives, Lord. Continue to, to use them. That you would strengthen them up, Lord. I pray for little Eric that he would be born healthy, filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, be with Jake tonight that you continue to use him and whatever you have him doing. Make him strong, Lord as he's becoming more of an evangelist out there, that you continue to work in his life. Be with Mikkel, Lord, as you're bringing him along, that you continue to guide and direct and lead his life, Lord. Be with uh, Andrew and Martin and Laura and Sue and her husband, Lord, and all other, Chantel and Ryan, Lord, on the Sunday Bible studies. But give us your, your strength, Lord, to, to be out there witnessing, to try and bring more people in. That you would guide and direct us, all of us, Lord, that you make us strong. Lord, I pray that you would just show us what you want us to do. I pray that you build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. 
Lord, I know you want to bless this ministry, but show us what we need to do so you can work in us. Lord, you need vessels, clean vessels, pure vessels, willing to do your will to work in this ministry. I pray for the upcoming conference, Lord, that your will would be done in it. I pray that all that we have invited will come, but if not, Lord, I know we're going to go forward anyways and do your will. I pray that you just watch over us during that time because the enemy is going to attack us, Lord. He's already started. But keep us strong to do your will, Lord, until the end. I pray, Lord, that you guide us and direct us, that we take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Place your shield of protection around us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we want to do your will at all times. Guide us and direct us this evening, I pray. Lead us into your truths. Lead us into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.